Today, uh, I think it's fitting then to go into my message, and I'm going to talk to you about how to hear God's voice. This uh, series over the next four weeks is going to be called Questions and Answers. Questions and Answers. What does hearing the voice of God have to do with questions and answers? The most common question. The question I get the most from people that I encounter pastoring here at the church or interacting with, and, and they say, so you believe that you hear the voice of God. How do you hear the voice of God? I have folks who come and, and they're like, I want to hear God speak to me. How do I hear God's voice? And that's the most common question that I get as a pastor is how do I actually hear God? How do I know what God is saying to me? And so that, I wanted to address that question first. We're going to jump into a few others as the, as the weeks go by. But this one, I believe, is the most important question to ask because if you can hear God, Concerning your life, concerning his word to you, then you'll be clear on what you need to do, where you need to go, and why you're going there. Amen? And so with that, I want to read to you um, from John 10, verse 3 through 5. And this is Jesus speaking concerning those that are in his fold, his sheep that are in his fold. He's the good shepherd. And he says this, the gatekeeper, that's Jesus, opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Let me ask you this question. What's the loudest voice in your life right now? What's the thing you hear the most? Let me, let me give you an example of that. Do you feel like, you know, you're not worthy, you don't measure up, you'll never be good enough? Are those the kind of things you hear because those aren't the kind of things our God speaks? Give me some amens in the house today. If you're hearing things that put you down, tell you you don't measure up, and we get the, the, the aspect of the Word of God and what it asks us to do, it guides us in doing... But the reality is, is if the focus is always like, I don't measure up, know that your God is not that way. How many of you tell your kids as they're growing up that, that basically, you know, they spill their milk or they drop their food? How many of you yell at your kids? Say amen. Because we do, but our God is better than we are. <laughs> See, we, we, we go back and forth on that. What I want you to understand, though, is God doesn't go back and forth on the matter. God declares over you that you are the sheep in his fold. He's not going to drive you. He's going to lead you. It's up to you to follow that voice. How do you recognize his voice? How do you recognize God's voice? A few weeks back, I talked a lot about uh, somebody speaking different languages. Uh, I used Uva because he speaks five different languages. And I brought him up here and I said, if you don't know a language, can you communicate with somebody? No, you can't, right? Now, you can do some sign language, maybe, but you cannot communicate well with somebody when you don't know the language. It's hard to hear God's voice if you don't know his word. But when you know God's word, what happens is, is you'll know the difference of other voices versus God's voice. You know the, the difference between your desires and God's desires. You know the difference of, of quote unquote, the enemy, the, the devil, and when he's speaking and when God's speaking. How many of you have ever heard God say, you know, 
pastor was talking about the tithe today, and it's like, hey, you know, you really need to do that. It's like, I rebuke you, Satan. How many of you ever felt that way when, when you're hearing the word of God and it says, hey, this is what I want you to do, and you're like, yeah, that's got to be the devil, right? For, forgive your enemies. Yeah, that's got to be the devil too, right? Don't, you know, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't lust. That's got to be the, y'all getting that? The word of God and what the word of God teaches trains our, our, our intellect that connects to, to these things on our, so this is the physical one, right? Here's what I want you to do. Uh, how's it go? Head, head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, that kind of thing. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to go mouth, say mouth, mouth. Ears, ears, eyes, nose, uh, oh, and do this. Do this with me. Go. Mouth, ears, eyes, nose, and touch. Your, 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 your feeling, what you can feel. Your mind and your emotions are connected to all of that. I'll give me an example. Angie, come here. I love you so much. Mm, how's that make you feel when I hug you? Good. It makes you feel good. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so mouth. Angie, I love you. Angie, you're stupid. No, she's not. I just did that because ultimately, you know, I use an extreme to drive a point home for you that says this. That when something flows out of your mouth like that, and it tears down, right? That's not our God, correct? God doesn't speak to us that way. We don't speak to others that way. But what's going on inside here? What? See, I, I don't think Angie's stupid at all. She's one of the smartest people I know. I mean, she can help keep me on track. You understand what I'm saying? She's pretty smart. Here's the thing on that, is that what my mind is thinking, that normally it's my emotions that'll cause me to say something, that I know is not true. You got that? So your, your emotions and your intellect, there's a separation that takes place. And, and what separates that normally is what I want. Say what I want. If I want something, and I know, I know this is the way it should be, but I don't care what the Word of God says, I'm going to go ahead and go after that. Right? Getting me on that? And what happens is, is I have a separation from that, and that separation, it's not necessarily happening with my intellect. Normally, we know, we know, how many of you know right from wrong as a whole? Is it right to murder somebody? Is it right to steal? We all know that, right? What causes people to do those things? Emotion. And what happens, that's what I want to do. Emotion tends to get in there. Now, we assert the will with our intellect and our emotion. So how, how we train that, in other words, if I'm following after the good shepherd, if Jesus is leading me, is Jesus going to lead me down a wrong road? No. Is Jesus going to lead me into bad decisions? No. Is Jesus going to lead me into treating people wrong? No. He's not going to lead me that way. So when I get in the word of God and I, I get to see the fruit of the spirit versus the works of the flesh, we won't go there right now, I'll get there later in this series. But when I get in that place of the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit, when I get into that place, I start to see a distinct, this is what Jesus looks like, and this is what I look like, or worldly 
thoughts and mindset looks like. And any time that I find those things at work in my life, I'm not following the voice of the good shepherd. Can you see that? I'm following myself or I'm following the ways of this world. Now, having said all of that, I, I go to this, that we want to, how many want to hear the voice of God? Amen. It's not as hard as you think. Did you know that? It's actually pretty simple. But you've got to recognize that there are a lot of voices. So you have to have a good filter. God's word is the best filter. Getting the word of God. David, the, the psalmist said this. King David said this. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not, might not, sin against you. So David established, here's what the filter is. God's word is the best filter for you to be able to distinguish Jesus' voice from every other voice. Now let me read this scripture to you and point out that there are many voices. 1 Corinthians 14.10 says, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them without significance. Now another translation says languages, but both of them are, are, are applicable. Voices, languages. That what is being spoken and who it's being spoken by. That we need to be able to distinguish God's voice from all the other voices because when we can distinguish God's voice from all the other voices, what happens is, is we know who to follow and who not to follow. You get that? Okay. So with that, I want to lay this out with a few, a few voices or a few categories that, that kind of grab a hold of the voices that might be speaking to us that are not God. And these I call the voices of deception. The voices of deception. Uh, the first one, deception of activity equals acceptance. The deception of activity equals acceptance. Luke 10, 39 through 40. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening. Say listening. She was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted by much serving. Serving's not bad, but if you think serving gains you some kind of acceptance or an ability to follow Christ, I want you to know it does not. If anything, following Christ will make you a great servant. And what you will do is serve in the things that are important to him. Look, um, there's a lot of things to volunteer and do. Have you, did you see the, um, there's an article and then there's uh, an interview, I guess, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Zuck, did I say it right? Zucker, Zuckerberg, 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 Zucker, like soccer, but Zucker, not Zuckerberg. <laughs> I got that right? <laughs> he just basically uh, made the statement that through Facebook, his next phase, and they're kind of changing the vision of Facebook, and what Facebook's next vision is going to be is to take the job of the church, to take the responsibility of the church, to take the role of the church. How many of you knew that? Raise your hand if you knew that. Dole, I know you sent me an email, and I had read it actually that morning. I got your email. That's his, that's his statement. Let me, let me say there's a difference between humanism and uh, theocracy. In other words, let me, let me say it this way. Theology is the study of God. Theocracy is the government of God. That, that we, are, we are citizens of America and we have the freedoms of America and the laws of America. But we are citizens of heaven. And let me tell you who's in charge of everything that is. The whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This all belongs to God. And yes, there's the governments of man, and those things are established, and there's an aspect of following them. But when we are, are translated out of darkness into marvelous light, 
out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. When those things happen, we come under his authority. And you want to know something? Do you know there's Christians in China that don't have a problem being under communist government? It's not, I didn't say it's easy. I said that they are able to be believers, citizens of heaven under a communist government. Now, if I have my option, I'm going to be in a democracy. You with me here? I want to live in a republic. Y'all with me? You're staring at me like a cow at a new gate, man, and I'm like... You with me though, right? I don't, I don't want to lose you where I'm at. And I'm not you know, trying to make it so it seems like you don't get it, but I want to make sure you do get it. That I'm a citizen of heaven above any other citizenship that I hold. Because I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. The Bible says I'm a sojourner. I'm passing through this place to that place. And there's a whole lot of people that I encounter that have no idea that that place even exists. And when this one ends, that one goes on. So which one do you think is the greater and which one's the lesser? We already talked about Abraham understanding that. That's why he gave a tithe to Melchizedek because he understood that no matter what I plunder in this earth, no matter what I have in this earth, if I don't have what's to come, then none of it matters. So I got to know that there's other voices because if I don't understand that there's other voices that are pulling at me to distract me from heaven's mandate, from heaven's vision... If it's distracting me from that, then what happens is, is that I live for the lesser and not the greater. But if I hear his voice and I follow him, I'm living for the greater while I live here. You hear me? Deception, Luke 10, 39, where Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. What's she doing? She's spending time. In the beginning was the word and the word was God, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Excuse me, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, correct? So when the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, what was Mary doing when she was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his teachings, which are now written? What was she doing? She was spending time learning the language. She was spending time uh, attuning her ears to the voice of the shepherd so that she as a sheep would follow his voice and would not be distracted with all the other activities and all the other things. Martha, a matter of fact, you, if you think Martha just went to Jesus and said something, how many of you have kids? Raise your hands if you have kids. How many of you are children? Okay. So there's not a person in there that shouldn't get this. How many of you growing up with your parents and one of the other kids did something and you said something, that didn't say something to them, but just run to your parents? No, you, you said something to them before you ever ran to your parents. Like, hey, you need to do this, right? Um, how many parents have witnessed your kids? But they did. <laughs> They're not doing. Don't think for a moment that Martha didn't say to Mary, like, hey, you need to come give me a hand. Mary, you need to come. Well, I, Jesus is here. He's teaching, you know. You, you know how it's going. And what's, what's, what's Martha do? Well, I'm fine. I'm going to talk to Jesus then. You ain't going to come give me a hand. There's too much to do. You need Jesus. And he's like, Mary's chosen the greater over the lesser. I want to ask you this question. Is the word of God, do your Bibles or your apps, do your Bibles collect dust and, and are your apps out of sync? Have you synced your Bible app lately? 
Is it functional? Do you have scripture downloaded when you don't have Signor, when you don't have Wi-Fi, where you, you can actually be in the word of God when you have moments that you're free so that you're filling yourself, so that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus so you know what his voice sounds like and you know what his voice says. Can you say amen? Be careful. Psalms 46 and 10, be still and know that I am God. Mary was being still before the Lord and listening to his teachings. The second one there is deception of distraction. The deception of distraction. Luke 14, 18 through 20. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and, 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 and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Forget the please excuse me. I can't come, man. I just got married. Say this with me. Life happens. But if your life gets in the way of the author of life, are you really living life? If life gets in the way of the author of life, then are you really living life? Or are you just getting by? Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus, which it goes on to say, who is the what? Author and finisher of our faith. You want to finish this race? You want to live this life into the next one where there's, where, in a sense, it's seamless. Spirit, soul, and body. Timothy, the book of Timothy says, I can't remember which one, but the book of Timothy says this, I would that you present yourselves, that's before his judgment, when you present yourselves, that you would present yourselves, spirit, soul, mind, will, and emotions, soul, and body blameless that when i'm i'm living my life i'm living for god and i got him in first place and if i've got him in first place i don't have to be a i don't have to be worried about all those things whether they come in second third fourth fifth sixth whatever they are wherever they come in whatever the priority i know if i've got god first and i can hear his voice you want to know if I can hear his voice? I believe that he'll help me order those other things just the way they need to be. But if I don't have him first, I'd have great concern on whether I've got all those other things in my life in the right uh, priority. Keep God first. Hear his voice. Let him guide you. Don't be distracted. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us. Both within and without. So the outside distractions, all the voices outside, all the. Uh, I had a friend, Scott Grulay, uh, Scotty Grulay, he pastors down in Arizona, and he used to say this. He used to say, You've got to silence the demonic tutor. The voices on the outside, the things that are whispering in your spiritual ear, you'll never be anything, you'll never be good enough, you'll never have enough, you'll never achieve enough, you'll never this, you'll never that, never, 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 never. You got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You got to know the voice of God because, in that, what you're going to hear, everything is possible to them who believe. If you ask anything in my name, it shall be done. As long as you ask according to what? His will. 
How are you going to know his will if you don't hear his voice? You've got to hear his voice to know his will so that you can distinguish the difference uh, between the voice of life and the voice of death. The third thing there, deception of evil desire. The deception of evil desire. James 1, 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away. Say dragged. This said, watch this, dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. I mean, it's kind of like, let's see, I don't know if I can, you're not small anymore, man. Uh, I need somebody small. Grab Elijah, I could drag him across this stage easy. No, um, you get it though. If you could picture someone being dragged, it's like the thing about your flesh, the thing about worldliness is that if you're born again, you sense when you're going that wrong way. If you have the Word of God and you know and what happens, you feel like you're being dragged by it. Come on now. You feel like you're being dragged by it. But know that it's not uncommon. Jesus was tempted in every way you are, and the Bible says that he's made a way of escape to each and every one of us. And what is that way? To yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> when was it how many of you know that there's been moments? Come on, husbands, wives, children, parents. That's about as good as I could make it in this room. When you're mad at each other and you utter those words that you shouldn't utter. You say something you shouldn't say, right? That when that flows out of there, and you feel it before you ever do it, like I really shouldn't do this, but I'm doing it anyway. Huh? And that happens and it's like, oh, why did I do it? See, this is it. The enticement of that, the enticement is that I don't like how they treated me. I don't like how they made me feel, so I'm going to get back at them. Revenge, not forgiveness, will always bring regret. Revenge and not forgiveness will always bring regret. And that regret, by the way, is the way the devil, watch. God said, the Holy Spirit said, don't do that. <laughs> Convicts you, I shouldn't do that. That's the voice you need to listen to. And then comes the demonic tutor. They knew what they were doing. You should let them know. You need to get back at them. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and you yield to that. Next thing you know, that voice comes back and he says this. And you call yourself a Christian. <laughs> right? Come on now. Isn't that right? It's the way it works. What kind of Christian are you? How could you talk to your wife that way? How could you talk to your husband that way? How could you talk to your parents that way? How can you talk to your kids that way? Come on. And God says, okay, you did that. Ask for forgiveness. You mean humble myself? <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> they can come to me. We all know what the stiff arm is, right? Right? It works great in football. It's horrible in Christianity. The stiff arm is great in football, but it's horrible in Christianity. Don't give in to evil desire. Matthew 13, 19 in the message says this, when anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface and so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of a person's heart. If Jesus is the good, he, he, he's the sower that sows the good seed, which he tells the disciples is the word of God. You have so much seed in your Bible. You, have, you got a bag full of seed and all you got to do is get in there and let Jesus, as you're reading it, what happens is, is Jesus starts to impart to your heart. Remember when he says to Peter and the other disciples, who do men say that I am? 
Like, well, some says you're, you know, Isaiah or Elijah come back from the dead. You know, well, who do you say that I am? Peter's the one that speaks up and he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. That little Jewish boy had spent some time in the word and he had spent enough time in the word that, that where the seed was there, when Jesus, the living word, so logos, say logos, written word, you slowed down on written there. Logos, Logos. written, written. Word. word, rhema, rhema. Spoken, spoken word. See, a lot of us know the written word, but we don't know the spoken word. Faith happens between written and spoken. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Written, so faith comes by hearing God's word which was written, I got to get the word in me so that when God speaks to me, it becomes a revelation. And when it becomes a revelation, I can live it. I have the conviction to live it. I have the excitement to live it, by the way. There's nothing like hearing the voice of God uh, resonate his word in you, that this is what his word is to you. There's a trust that comes. There's a faith that comes in the midst of that. Amen. So make a clean break from those other things. And listen to this, let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Not just temples, but fit and holy tip, excuse me, temples, amen? So, uh, so Matthew, there, uh, you got to be careful not to let the enemy, that other voice, those other voices come and steal the word of God. So we need to recognize God speaks and he's speaking. He wants to speak to us. We need to protect what he speaks. So the second thing I want to go in here is that God speaks. God's not never stopped speaking. He's still speaking. The Bible declares that, that not one jot nor tittle of his word will pass, right, until it, it's all done. There will be a new heaven and new earth. None of this has happened. It's still speaking. The word of God is still speaking. It's speaking, well, say this, it's speaking past tense, it's speaking present tense, and it's speaking future tense. How do I know that? Because he was, he is, and he is to come. He is the alpha, and he is the omega. And his word is going to continue to speak until he has finished all. Now, this, in this, I want to read to you from the book of Samuel that oftentimes God's speaking, but we don't hear him. I heard a statement a long time ago by a preacher, and it went like this. There's none as deaf as those who don't want to hear. That many times the Word of God speaking something I don't want to hear, therefore, la, 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 right? You ever done that? It's like, I don't want to hear that right now. No, 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 no. Forgive. No, I don't want to forgive right now. I don't want to hear that. Give. Don't, I don't want to do that either. Do you ever notice that forgive and give? The kingdom of heaven is a, is a generous culture. God doesn't hold back. He gives. We should not hold back, but we should give. Freely you have received, freely give. I'm not talking about your money right now. I'm talking about the life that Christ has given you. Don't keep it. If you hold it back, what happens is, is you become greedy. You want everything from God and you're not willing to give to others. What happens is, is you'll become stale, stagnant, and, and polluted. In your Christianity. See, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were that way. They knew God's word. They knew so much, but they could not hear his voice. 
He was there speaking to them face to face, and they couldn't recognize him. How often does God speak to us, and we don't recognize him because we don't have his attitude? We got to have a generous heart towards others. Amen? All right. So Samuel, uh, this is one of those, those moments. Watch, I'm going to give you an example in this. Before I read this from Samuel, uh, Hannah had come. She couldn't have a baby. She's, at the, you know, she's there at the temple. She's knelt down. She's crying. She's sobbing. She is out of control. And, and along comes Eli. He's, he's like, woman, what is the matter with you? Go away from here with your drunk self. Paraphrase. Get out of here with your drunkenness. Sir, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm brokenhearted. I can't have a child. And I'm, I'm asking the Lord for a child. And he's like, oh, man. Talking about a guy who couldn't perceive, couldn't see, couldn't hear. And he says, you know what? And basically, in a nutshell, hey, the Lord's going to give you a child. She walks away, goes home, ends up getting pregnant, and has a child. Later on, she comes back because she's so grateful that God gave her a child. And what she does is gives that child back to the to the house of God. She gives the child to works of service in the temple. Gives him to Eli, the one that didn't recognize what was really going on, but was a prophet from God and spoke a word to her that came to pass. And out of that, what happens is is little Samuel gets dropped off at the church dedicated to the work of God. And little Samuel's dedicated to the work of God. Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, Hophni and Phinehas was... They were bad boys, let's put it that way, bad boys. Eli was dull in, in hearing. He was, he was fat and obese and couldn't, he just, he was selfish. He got away from the word of God, got away from listening to God and was focused on self. And as a result of that, this is what happened. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3.3, 3. the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed. There's revelation to you, to him. Had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Duh. If you weren't calling him, he's back here, you know, waking you up in the middle of the night, right? And Eli realized that the Lord was calling the voice. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Underline that in your notes. If you want to know what to do when you get quiet before the Lord, you feel like he might be speaking to you, talk to him. You're reading his word and you feel like something's speaking to you. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening to you. I think we do far too little listening and a whole, a whole lot more talking. God, help me with this. God, do this. God, do that. But we've got to hear his voice. We've got to recognize his voice. Eli, 
knew that the boy was not recognizing the voice of God. How often do we simply not recognize the voice of God because it has not yet been revealed to us who he is? So, he says, uh, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So, Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times. Now, here's a distinct difference, though. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. There's something that happens to you when you hear the voice of God, when the presence of God touches you in the midst of him speaking to you. If you've ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's kind of a tingling sensation. Give me an amen if you know what I'm talking about. But has your, has your ears ever tingled? Has there ever been a moment when you, when you just know that you know that you know? God just spoke to me. Learn that voice distinctly. Now it's interesting, this story is how I came to know the Lord. The Lord had not yet been, I grew up going to church as a little kid, hearing the Sunday school lessons, so I knew enough of the word of God that God was there, he's going to judge me for my sin, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and that I need to get baptized in water and then I'm good to go. I bought the fire insurance, I'm getting in. That, look, love my family, love my church, that was my childhood understanding of that. I thank God for the foundation that the word was actually there, that God had something to work with when he came knocking on my door. But I didn't really know who the Lord was until that day happened. Setting, by the way, in a place that's as close to hell as you can get, and that was the Mojave Desert that I spoke to you about earlier. When I was in the military, that's where I was. I'm sitting in a Humvee, and I'm calling in situation reports. And as I do, I hear my name, Derek. I never heard the voice of God before. Now, I know, looking back, that God had prompted me many times to talk to him because of the words that I had heard as a child. That I would pray to God, I would talk to God, but I had never distinctly heard from God. Hear his voice. And in that moment, I kind of startled me, and I pour a cup of coffee because it's late. It's like, you know, wee hours of the morning, like, you know, one in the morning. I pour a cup of coffee because I'm afraid I'm going to go to sleep, and you don't want to go to sleep on duty. Anybody in the military, give me an amen. Not a good thing. I drink the cup of coffee, and I, and I end up in that place where all of a sudden I hear my name again. That one startled me, and I thought, good Lord, I'm hearing voices. I look outside the vehicle. I'm like, hey, somebody out, you know, I'm trying to, who in the world is calling my name? That's how real. Now, it wasn't audible that I know. It was just it resonated, revealed, and he was revealing himself to me. And in that, I'm sitting there and thinking this. It is not good to hear voices. I've never heard a voice like that. I've never been real like that, you know, because you hear voices in, in the military. That would be a Section 8. You still get kicked out. It's, it's just, you know, okay, he went crazy, so we're going to kind of let him go his way. And the first one is, is you're going to be reprimanded, disciplined, and possibly, you know, you know, go before the man and all that and be demoted and whatever. The second one is, I'm losing my mind. Now, if, you, if, you, if you'll see this, that one is physical, the other is mental. My thought runs to, you know, that I'm falling asleep, flesh. My next one runs to mind. And I'm very emotional over this, just so you know. And my will is in this place. You're like, what the world is going on? I'm confused. 
I don't know what this means. And then the third time I hear it, it does it just like that double annunciation. You'll find many times in Scripture what happens is God speaks and then speaks beside himself. If you notice, it says, and the Lord, was, he, was in, he was there. All of a sudden, the Scripture shifts to, and the Lord was in the room. Right? Samuel. Samuel. <laughs> Whoa! You know? And I'm there, and it's Derek. Derek, when you were nine years old, you promised me your life. If I'd give you a woman who would love you and never leave you through anything, it's time for you to give me your life. That's all the boy said. But I'm bawling like a baby sitting in that. And now I'm thinking, man, they're going to kick me out because I'm emotionally distraught. Who knows? But no, I'm in this place where all all of a sudden, God is real. I want to give him my life and I want to follow him. And I had just gotten engaged to Angie before I went to NTC, Death Valley, California. God saw the intersection of my prayer at nine years old come to the place of 19 years old. Angie's mom is praying that God would thrust her mate into her arms. She's in a state where she's walked away from God. I'm in a state where I've never really come to the Lord. And God, inter- God does what he does as he weaves a masterpiece together and he intersects all of that. And that moment connects. And I hear his voice for the first time. And it changed my life. What did I do? I start to read the word of God like no other. Six months I read the whole Bible. In six months I had also read Psalms probably three times, uh, Job probably two times, and then the New Testament at least three or four times. I've been through the whole New Testament in six months. That's not to say, hey, look at me. That's to say that's how hungry I became for the Word of God to know and understand what He's saying to me. And you need to know the Word of God because there are so many voices out there and none of them without significance. And trust this, the devil knows the Word of God too. He knows exactly how to twist it and manipulate it. He tried to do it with Jesus. Isn't that right? If thou be the son of God, you know, turning this stone into bread. Takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and like, all this is mine. All you have to do is bow. Each time Jesus said, it is written. Satan was quoting scripture, but Jesus knew it better. He was the word and he confronted it. See, anything that would cause you, that would cause you to look to self, to self-exaltation, anything that causes you to be over and others under. You, you get what I'm saying? I, I get that there's authority, but I'm talking about that, that basically I don't need God to speak in my life. I'll figure this out. No, you've you got to want God to be involved in your whole life in every area. God to be involved in your marriage. God to be involved in your parenting. God to be involved in your workplace. God to be involved in your finances. God to be involved in every aspect of your life. Well, that kind of makes me dependent, doesn't it? I don't mind being dependent on God. Because I know that God, through His Word and by His Holy Spirit, empowers me to live for Him. My dependence is upon God leading me. Not on God doing everything for me. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. And then, uh, so, let me, let me give you these. One, here's how we hear his voice. As we read his word, we become attuned to hear his voice. Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Remember, each step I take, God's word is lighting each step I take. And it's lighting the place that I'm going. 
My, my whole path is, is, is lit by God's word, but the step I'm taking is visible to see so that I can stay on the path. Does that make sense? So, Psalms 119 and 147, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. Now, some of you right now are like, rise before dawn. Yeah, uh, here's one that says, you know, uh, when I lay down at midnight, you know, I read, you know, whenever your moment is, all I know is midnight is before dawn. And if you have a hard time getting up in the morning, then make sure you're doing it before you go to sleep at night. If, if making God your number one priority is right before you go to bed so that you wake up and his, the meditation of his word is there, then do it that way. But, you know, it wouldn't hurt you to get up once in a while in the morning either. <laughs> Nothing like the sunrise. Two, as we cultivate his presence, as we cultivate his presence, Genesis 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife uh, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now this, cultivate his presence. Adam and Eve were born into his presence, clothed with his glory. And what they do is they give it up, and, and then what do they do? They hide from his presence. We're born into sin, <laughs> longing for God's presence. Uh, the Bible has a scripture that talks about like blind men searching on a wall. It's, it's like we're looking for that opening into the presence of God. Every once in a while, we accidentally, as we pray a prayer or we express something to God and we feel his presence or we, we, we sense that he's there with us, and we're like, wow, that was awesome. How did that happen? <laughs> Take notes, whatever you do. What did I do that made that happen, you know? God, show me what I did that made that happen. The best thing we can have is being in the presence of God. Adam and Eve hid from it because they fell from it. We're longing for it and looking for a way to get into the presence, cultivate his presence, Acts 13 2 while they were worshiping here's a way you cultivate his presence they were worshiping the lord and fasting the holy spirit said the holy spirit what the holy spirit said set barnabas and saul apart for me i want them to do a work for which i've called them so when we're looking for that thing in our life that god's called us to you know fasting and praying spending time with the lord in prayer and fasting in other words what are you doing you're starving the flesh and feeding the spirit and when you do those things, you're setting yourself up that you might hear from God his direction for your life. Number three, as we get planted in the church, as we get planted in the church, God speaks as we read his word. God speaks as we cultivate his presence. God speaks as we get planted in his church. Listen to this in Psalms 92, 12 through 13. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Now, that there, palm tree. Where does palm trees grow? Again, palm springs. I think they call it palm springs because that's the only trees I saw for the most part. Palm trees grow in desert dry places. And the reason why is their roots go deep. So speaking to two things, you're going to have dry seasons in your life. And you've got to be like a palm tree. The way you're going to be like a palm tree is if you're connected to a church body. Now understand this, that there's other sources of life that's feeding into. When you're in a desert place, there's other, that the Word of God and where people dwell in the Word of God, what happens is, is you know, the, the, the Bible's compared, the Word of God's compared to water. That where the water is, you're going to find it. In a desert place, you'll find water when you're planted in the church, like a palm tree. 
It'll search the water. It'll go as deep as it's got to go to find the water so it can thrive. And like the cedars of Lebanon, if you basically Lebanon over there, uh, it's got a water source that's it's a constant supply from uh, um, the mountain that's there. I've talked about it before, uh, Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is a limestone mountain that's basically in a bowl of volcanic rock. And what happens is, is all the moisture that comes in the rainy season and in the winter season, all that moisture, and it's high enough that it actually gets snow on it, right? It, it captures the moisture, its height and its breadth and its depth. That I might know Christ, the height, the depth, and the breadth of Christ. That I might know him, right? Then when we are pursuing him that way, what happens is, is we're absorbing. That's the highest mountain in that area. And because it ascends so high, it sucks the moisture in. And when it does, because it's surrounded with volcanic rock, which is not porous, like a sponge, all it does is soaks water up and just keeps soaking it up and soaking it up and soaking it up. When the dry season hits, that area still has water, and that's why cedars survive there. That's what God says it's like to be planted in his church, to be in the courts of our God, to worship together, to, to, to set at the feet of Jesus the word of God, and to be filled with the word of God so that we're able to flourish in life. Amen. Write this down. Our greatest challenge is God wants us to hear him more than we want to listen. Our greatest challenge is that God wants, he wants to speak to us oftentimes more than we want to listen to God. And the second thing, as I finish, if you want the right fruit, you've got to get into the right environment. If you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to be in the right environment. You've got to be in his word. You've got to be in the fellowship of the saints. You've got to spend time with other believers where you're encouraged. Not discouraged, not the demonic tutor, not people that beat you down, but people that encourage you and keep saying, you can make it. Hey, get in the word of God. Hey, can I pray for you? Those are the things that we need to be doing as believers if we want to hear the voice of God. Can you say amen? Stand your feet if you would as we close this morning. <clears throat> I'll read one final scripture because hopefully today has had a twofold impact on you. And that is that it's, uh, it's both invited you and it's challenged you. That you feel invited by God to follow him, to listen for his voice. But challenged you in areas of your life that might be keeping you from doing that. So I want to read to you a scripture that you can take home and you, you can read this scripture and meditate on this scripture. I promise you if you do and you have the same attitude as a buckock had, that God is going to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, you need to make sure you write it down and then you begin to pray over it and wait for it. Listen to this passage as we close. Habakkuk 2, 1, it says this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me, he being God. And what I will answer when I'm corrected. Habakkuk already had an attitude. Here's the deal. The problem's not God, it's me. Say, the problem's not God, it's me. Yeah, the problem's never God, it's us. And, I will, uh, and what I will answer when I'm corrected, then the Lord answered me. Wait, so his attitude all of a sudden opened his ears. And his ears opened, listen to this, he says... He says, and what he'll say to me, and, and what I'll, he will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. 
This is saying, basically, here's the deal. When you have the right attitude, God's not the problem, we are. All of a sudden, it opens your ears to listen. And when God speaks, you better have a pen and a piece of paper. Because when God starts talking, it's, you know, he might just say one word, but I'd, be, I'd poise myself. To, whatever you want to say to me, I'd like to get it all down and start writing it down. Now listen to what he goes on to say here. He says, write it on tablets that he who reads it may run. Now it's not just a matter of getting it written down. Once you've written down what God speaks to you, you've got to read it. You've got to keep it in front of you so that you can fulfill what God's called you to do. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. Say God's timing. At the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. What that's saying, basically remember this. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. There was a whole lot of opportunities that God, I guess you could say, missed to come early. And he could have come late, but God came just on time. God will come on time in your life, but do you know what that time is? Do you know what the timing is for what God has planned for your life? I submit to you, we cannot know that unless we hear the voice of God for our life. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much today. Thank you today for your word. I love your word. Lord, I love your people, and I ask that, Father, we go home, and, Lord, it wouldn't just be something we've heard. God, we would actually pull our calendar out, and we'd make a plan to find moments, Lord, this week and the weeks to come to sit down with you and ask you, just like Samuel did, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that, Father, for whatever areas, uh, a father of need, of challenge, uh, relationally, or whatever may be going on in our life, God, you have the answer for all of it if we'll only listen to you. So, Father, I pray that, that the people of God, all of us, walk out of this place refreshed today. God, challenged, but certainly invited to come set before you like Mary did to hear your teachings, Jesus, so that we would know your voice and that we, like your sheep, would follow your voice and the voice of a stranger we will not hear. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. I know it went a little long today. Um, I ask your forgiveness for that. But but I promise you, if you apply this word, it's going to be life-changing for you.